Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. Thank you again so much for our time together. It, it is an absolute privilege to sit down and be with you every morning. Now, I want to remind you that this is not meant to replace your personal devotions and your time of prayer. You, you need to be spending time in prayer. And young people and seniors, I know this lockdown is, is awful. And the idea of another one month is... You get discouraged every time you hear the news. Okay, now we're going to make it for one month, not for two weeks. Okay, I understand. Me too. But this can be a great time for you to develop your prayer life. So we've got Daniel's prayer, 5.45, 11.45, and 8.45 p.m. And that'll help you begin to get disciplined in your prayer life. But you need to begin to do it on your own also. You can, you can never allow what we do as a corporate body to replace your personal walk with God. Amen. All right, we've got one of the young people with Psalms chapter 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that weighs at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hand they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. As we go to prayer today, I know many of you are discouraged because another one month of general quarantine and some of your frustration is beginning to show on Facebook. That's how I can see it. I never spent much time on Facebook until this COVID-19 thing, but it's one of the ways I check and see how people are doing. Attitudes begin to manifest and trends begin to manifest. Brothers and sisters, we all need to work on our attitudes. Me too. I mean, please. The idea of, of another one month without services just drives me crazy. I sit down and I go, well, you know, how can gyms operate? How can food restaurants operate at 30% and how can... Uh, review centers and all of this operate and we can't have church what, what's what's the difference you know of course we get frustrated young people you're going I feel fine why do I have to stay locked in the house okay every one of us has our frustration but brothers and sisters we need to quieten our soul like a weaned child within us that's what David said I quieted my soul like a weaned child so I want us to pray right now Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. And Lord, we come and quiet in our soul. We don't come to meditate and do all kinds of foolishness, Lord. We come to quiet in our soul before you. We ask that the Holy Spirit would just strengthen us in our inner beings. 
the Holy Spirit would work in the heart of every frustrated young person right now, every frustrated senior, every frustrated businessman and businesswoman. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you help take all that frustration out this morning. And Father, let there just be a peace that passes all understanding, guarding their hearts and guard their minds in Christ Jesus. We just come and quiet in our soul before you, Lord. We just come and be still. God, we know that you are in control. Jesus, we know that you are Lord. We know that you're going to cause all things to work together for our good, just because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. We know, Lord, that this thing will end well. We know that this thing will, at the final end of it all, it will bring blessings to us and to our family and to the work of God across our nation. So, Father, we come and we recognize that you've got this. I mean, we are in your hand, that you've got this. The businesses that you gave us to build, Lord, you've got them. You've got them. (laughs) You hold them in your hand. Oh, Father, let peace flow into the heart of every one of our businessmen right now in Jesus' name. Careers, Lord, that young people have worked so hard to build and they've studied so hard for it. Now it looks like the careers are just passing away like a puff of smoke. But Father, you didn't bring them this far to drop them. You didn't bring them out into the desert to let them die. (laughs) You're going to bring them into the promises. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, lift the heads of every one of the young people. Young people that work so hard, Lord, to be on the dean's list and to be top honors. Father, they see those things fleeting away. But Father, I thank you that you're going to cause all this to work together for their good. And Father, it's going to be even greater than they dreamed of. Let their hearts be at rest this morning, Lord. Let their hearts be at peace this morning. Father, for the pregnant ladies that are so worried about their babies. Father, I thank you that you've got that little baby. You know that little baby by name while it's still in its mother's womb, before it was knit together, when it was still a blob of cells, Lord. You know that child. I thank you for your hand upon all of these babies growing in the womb right now. In the name of Jesus, they shall be born strong and healthy and normal, and nothing from COVID will come near them. Nothing from COVID will touch them. And Father... Those mother's bodies are literally the home of that child right now. And you promise in your word that this thing shall not come near their dwelling place. That mother's womb is their dwelling place. And that COVID shall not come near that womb in the name of Jesus. Let every mother's heart be at rest right now, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, I just ask that a sense of peace a peace that passes all understanding, would settle upon us today. Settle upon all of our hearts because we know, Lord, that you're in control. We know, Lord, that you've got this. In Jesus' name, amen. Our New Testament passage today picks up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, what, what happened? Sister Bev did the Old Testament yesterday. Well, she has requested to do Isaiah. Isaiah is her thing. All right, now you got to understand, Sister Bev loves, when I say love, I mean she absolutely loves, I love it, but she absolutely loves the book of Isaiah. 
And it's kind of a fun thing in our family. The story started when Sister Bev and I were in Bible school and we had Isaiah class together. And it was maybe the worst class I ever had in my entire life, okay? I mean, the professor never said anything. If I took one or two lines of notes per class, that was amazing, okay? And basically all he did was want you to regurgitate the book for an exam. So, I mean, I can remember sitting in Isaiah class one day, and I didn't mean to. I just let out this, oh, just really loud, and the whole class cracked up. I did not do it on purpose, I promise you. And Sister Bev has never let me forget it. But Sister Bev sat there in that class thinking, you know, if I was teaching this class, I would do this, and I would do this, and I would do this. And those of you who have taken her for Isaiah, you know that that is quite a class that she has put together. Now, she loves the book of Isaiah. So I said, sweetheart, do you want to do Isaiah? She said, yes, I want to do Isaiah. So I got her a special little book and Bible cover and everything just for the book of Isaiah. And she's having a ball. And I think she wants to do a piece of Ezekiel also, but we'll, we shall see. But let's get into 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now, what an incredible thing for Paul to say. Having this ministry by the mercy of God. Pastor Summerall, why do you have the ministry of pastor in the Cathedral of Praise? By the mercy of God. Why does Pastor Manalo have the ministry he has? By the mercy of God. Why does uh, Pastor Ray have the ministry that he has? By the mercy of God. Why does Sister Bev have the, have the ministry she has? By the mercy of God. Every man and every woman of God knows that we have the ministry by the mercy of God. And that keeps us humble. So here is a source of pastoral, source of humility for leaders. Why do you have the ministry that you have as a connect group leader or a choir member or a dancer or an usher? Why do you have that ministry? By the mercy of God. It's a source of humility. And he said, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not get discouraged. Now, when you think you have this ministry because you're somebody, you can get discouraged pretty quickly. But when you look around and you realize you have this ministry by the mercy of God, you don't lose heart. You don't get discouraged. He said, we have renounced. Okay, there are things that we renounce. We have renounced, number one, disgraceful. Number two, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Okay, Paul said there are four things we just don't do. He said there are disgraceful. There are underhanded there is tampering with the word. He said, listen, we, we don't do this cunning. Another one. He said, we, we don't practice cunning. We don't practice underhanded ways. He said, in our leadership, th these are things that we have renounced. So in other words, these were things that existed they existed in the ministry in Paul's day. 
in the first century church, in the first generation church, there were preachers who did disgraceful things, underhanded ways. They practiced cunning. They tampered with God's word. Paul said, that's not a part of who I am. But by an open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. By the open statement of truth. Open statement and truth. Paul said, you know, I just stand up and very publicly declare truth. He said, I have no secret teaching, okay? No secret teaching. By the open statement of truth. And he said, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, okay? Here's one of Satan's titles. Now, it's important that you know Satan's titles, but now you'll notice I never use a capital letter with Satan, and I've been deducted in school for that, but I refuse to capitalize his name. One of Satan's titles is the God of this world. Now, he's not God, but he's the God of this world. Now, when, when Satan came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'll, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down and worship me, Jesus didn't disagree that he had the power and the right to do that. So this is one of his titles. So there's a title, and here's his work. Blinded the minds of unbelievers, and the purpose, or he, so here's his work, and here's the purpose to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there you see a, a title, you see the work, and you see the purpose of the work. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, this, this is big, okay? Paul said, I didn't preach myself. Now, forgive me, but the modern church has gone so far astray that now pastors stand up and say, come to our church. We are the family that you've always wanted. You're preaching yourself. Come to our church. We are the people of greatest faith. You're preaching yourself. Anytime you say, come to us, come be a part of us. Anytime you're recruiting people to yourself, this is not true. Paul said, we don't proclaim ourselves. We should preach Christ. He said, I proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. This is Paul's message. Not the message. And he said, now who are we? We are servants, your servants for Jesus' sake. When we talk about ourselves, he said, we only present ourselves as servants. So Paul's Paul's posture, let's put it that way. How does Paul posture himself? He said, I'm a servant, your servant, for Jesus' sake. For God said, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. All right, so the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. All right, so Man, our hearts, 
as leaders were once dark, were once darkness, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. Okay, so God said, the light of God is shining out of our hearts that were once darkness. For the purpose to give light of the knowledge of God. Purpose to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that, I had to be careful. I, I can't preach this, okay? But Paul said, as a pastor, as a servant, as a servant, as your servant for Jesus' sake, he said, God has caused light to shine out of what was one dark, once darkness. My heart was once darkness. And now that light has shined to give the light of knowledge, to give the light of the knowledge. Knowledge is a key word here. Not just experience, but knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then Paul continues to talk about ministers, okay? Now, all of this is talking about pastors. So this is talking about pastors. This is talking about pastors. This is talking about pastors. He said, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Paul said, he's a jar of clay. He said, our life is a jar of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He said, you know what? My life can easily be broken and destroyed. I'm a jar of clay. He, said, he didn't even say he's glass, and there was glass in that day. He said, I'm just a jar of clay that can be easily broken because God wants to show, God wants to demonstrate the truth that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. Paul said, I can't give you the power of God. He said, I can't do that. It doesn't belong to me. And then fourthly, he's talking about pastors. He said, we are afflicted in every way, <laughs> but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Now, look at Look at how Paul describes the life of a minister. We are a jar of clay. He said, we are afflicted. He said, this is the life of a pastor. He said, we are perplexed. <laughs> yeah, I've been perplexed many times. Perplexed, driven to despair, persecuted, struck down, <laughs> he said, this is the life of a pastor. This is the life of a spiritual leader. But he says there's additions to all that. He said, afflicted, but never crushed. He said, perplexed, but never, excuse me, but never driven to despair. Take that one out of there. He said, persecuted but never forsaken. He said, struck down, but never destroyed. I like that. He said, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
He said, we're always being given over to death because God wants the life of Jesus to be manifested in our mortal flesh. This is the life of pastors. But then he continues. So there's four, there's five, six statements about pastoral life. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. <laughs> You'll have to meditate on that one for a bit. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. Now, this is the spirit of faith. This is what we also call confession of faith. We believe, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul speaks of the resurrection. Now again, how often has he already taught the Corinthians about truths of the resurrection. He said, Jesus was raised, we will be raised, you will be raised, bring us with you into his presence. And the resurrection brings us into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it, referring to grace, may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, now this, is, this is the fruit of grace. The fruit of grace is thanksgiving. Because you know we don't deserve it. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. God doing for us what we don't deserve. That always results in the fruit of thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. So Paul said, listen, with all this stuff that happens up here, he said, the body is fading. He said, but my inner nature is being renewed day by day. I like that. <laughs> I may be getting older. I may not have the physical outward strength that I had when I was 20. But my inner nature is being renewed. I like that. My inner nature is being renewed day by day. Not, not once a week. Every day. Now, now, brothers and sisters, let me just park here for a minute. These are hard times. Okay, please. These are, these are hard times. Those of you who are leaders, those of you who are pastors that are listening to me, these are hard times on us physically because everything we do for God takes so much longer than it used to take. There, 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 is, no, there is no ability to use size and quantity to, to decrease the workload and increase more and maximize productivity. There, there's no way to do that. Basically, everything is tedious and done individually. And in one sense, it's a lot more fun but in another sense, sometimes you just get so tired, you can fall asleep while you're taping a show. But on the other hand, the inner nature, and this is what you got to get a hold of, the inner nature is being renewed day by day. 
the inner nature. This is why it's so important that you never skip devotions. This is why it's so important that every day you, you come into his presence and you worship him and you pray. Because physically, forgive me, you're going to wear out, okay? But the insides of you will get renewed every day. And when the insides get renewed, the outsides obey. Okay, I've learned that from experience. When the insides get renewed, the outsides obey. When you come into his presence, that inner nature is renewed day by day. The physical body, the outer nature is wasting away. I mean, that, that, that's going to that's gonna hurt you. But he said, we don't lose heart. Why? Because the inner nature is being renewed day by day. Oh, I got to be careful with this. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Okay? So something good's happening. Something very good. Very good is happening. Preparing for us. This light momentary affliction, persecution, the challenges, the problems we're going through, is preparing for us. It's kind of like, and please forgive me, I don't, I don't oversimplify, but almost. We have a lady in the church called Sister Chen, and she can cook like nobody's business. I mean, maybe the only person I know that could even begin to compete with her would be Pastor Soriano's wife. I mean, those two ladies, if they ever get together, they should open a chain of restaurants. They can cook. Now, before you ever get to, to Sister Chan's house, she has been preparing for you. And when you sit down at a table, you go, you have no idea the, the spread that she has put on. Now, brothers and sisters, forgive me, but you need to look at what's going on right now. And I know there's a little bit of negative stuff on the church too. I understand that. You need to look around at all the stuff that's going on right now. And this affliction that Satan, the God of this world, has brought upon us right now, it's actually preparing something for us. <laughs> now, it thinks it's destroying us, but it's not destroying us. It's preparing for us. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Ah, think about that one for a while today. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. All right, what is to be the focus of my attention? Not the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Beautiful, beautiful truth. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
And we are going to be continuing our walk through the book of Isaiah for our Old Testament reading, our Old Testament section of daily devotions. And I'm glad to be here doing this with you this morning. So today we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 3, and we'll read pretty much to the end of chapter 5. Long passage but rich and beautiful, as always, in the book of Isaiah. What we have just come out of, when we read the scripture, we always need to look at context so we fully understand what we have just come out of at the end of chapter 2 is this discussion of Judah and Jerusalem. Remember that Isaiah, the son of Amos, his prophecy is to Judah and Jerusalem. It is to the southern kingdom. That is his emphasis. And when he is talking to them, he says, oh, there is so much pride going on around here. And it, pride goes before a fall, right? Pride is going to be brought low. And he mentions like tall ships of Tarshish, lofty mountains, lofty hills, towers, 
all of these things will be brought low. It's symbolism, it's poetry, because Isaiah is a beautiful poet. And he's saying, they're going to be humbled. The haughtiness of man is humbled. You don't get away with things forever. The haughtiness, the pride in your heart, it's going to be humbled. So starting in chapter 3, verse 1, now we see what God is going to do. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply, all support of bread, all support of water, the mighty man and the soldier, the judge, the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor and the skillful magician, the expert in charms. Oh, they were full of all kinds of characters. I will make boys their princes and infants will rule over them. The people will oppress one another. Everyone his fellow and everyone his neighbor. And it is pretty amazing, isn't it, how cruel human beings can be to one another. The youth will be insolent to the elder and the despised to the honorable. A man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your rule. Wow, don't you just want to rule over a heap of ruins? In that day he will speak out, saying, I will not be a healer. In my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You shall not make me leader of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen, because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. You go around defying God, it's not good what's going to follow. You allow your children not to follow the Lord. It's not good what's going to follow. You do in your speech and in your deeds against the Lord. It's not good what's going to follow. Because the lofty will be brought low. There is a day of humbling for those who speak up and do things against the Lord defying his glorious presence. What a way to put it. Do you want to do that? I don't. I never want to hurt my Jesus, my glorious, beautiful Lord who loved me and gave himself for me. But this is the state of the people at that time. It says in verse 9, for the look on their faces bears witness against them. I know when you're raising your children and sometimes they do something and <laughs> they're trying to say they didn't, but the look on their faces bears witness against them. <laughs> that is what God, he knows. When he looks at us, he knows. Of course, he knows our hearts, but he's saying even the look on our faces bears witness against us. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. They're so proud of their sinful ways. Woe to them, for they've brought evil on themselves. Ah, here's the verse. Pastor's always quoting this verse, and here it is. Isaiah 3.10. Tell the righteous that it will be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. You see, everybody's going to eat the fruit of their deeds. But if you are... If all your deeds are against the Lord, you're going to eat the fruit of those deeds. And if you are righteous, if you are living for God, 
Believe it. God has said it. You will eat the fruit of your deeds. You will be rewarded for your righteousness, the things you do. But then right away in verse 11, woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him. So tell the righteous, it shall be well with them. But woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is not all just about finances. It's not just about sow a seed to the Lord and you will reap a harvest. It's also about our deeds due to others as you would have done to you. My people, infants are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. The Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who devoured the vineyards. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. Oh, what a, what a hard thing. It's hard to even read that. It's hard to believe it, but it's true. And you know, people don't change. It's so often true. What was true then? It's just like you're reading current events. The leaders of the people, they're the ones who have devoured. You hear about people gouging the prices of very essential, needed things. The spoil of the poor in their houses. Sometimes you can be reading current events when you're reading God's pronouncements against the people. It says, what do you mean by crushing my people, by grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts. You see, that's social justice. God cares about people. He cares about the poor and the downtrodden. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about all people. And all people need to be treated with dignity and honor. But now, take note, this doesn't mean that we should approach the change of social justice, the need for social justice, the way the world does. Because we will see as we continue through the book of Isaiah, it does not mean rallying the street in the streets, burning and looting. God has a better way. God will deal with it. And we will see. The Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tinkling with their feet, you know, all the jewelry around them on their ankles and so on. Therefore, the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughter of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands and the crescents, the pendants and the bracelets and the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes and the amulets, the signet rings and nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans and the veils. Is it okay if you have handbags? Is it okay if you have a headband. It's okay. But these women were haughty and they were flaunting all of these things that they had. That's not God's way. God's way is humility. Beauty, yes, but humility and justice, treating everybody 
as our equal. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth. And branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty men in battle. And her gates will lament and mourn. Empty she shall sit on the ground. Chapter 4. And seven women will take hold of one man in that day. Okay, in that day. What is the time frame? Is it today? No, it's a future date. In that day, saying, we'll eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name and take away our approach. And now in chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Here's another one of those burst into praise moments that Isaiah has where he's pronouncing judgment, but he sees the heart of God. He sees the heart of God for the people and he sees the heart of God for justice and righteousness. And he just bursts into praise before God. And so it says in that day, so is it now? No, not yet. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. You know, we could make a list in the book of Isaiah, of the names that the Lord is called by. And it would enrich both our understanding of the Lord and our praise to God. <laughs> when we understand all of his names, we understand more and more of his fullness and his work. In that day, here's the burst of praise of Isaiah. The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem, from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. Does that sound familiar? For over all the glory there will be a canopy, there will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and a refuge and shelter from the storm and rain. What a beautiful song of redemption. How beautiful is the Lord, and how enriching and encouraging his word. Now, chapter 5. It's a song about a vineyard. Who is that vineyard? See, everything in these prophecies might be poetic, but here the vineyard is very clearly stated to be Israel, the people of God. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. What does God look for in us? He looks for fruit in our lives. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. And here is another appeal 
when Isaiah is just pronouncing these pronouncements of God, then suddenly there is an appeal. God says, what more was there to do for my vineyard? You know, one day when you stand before God and he will say, what more could I have done? What more could I have poured out? I gave you my son. I gave you my very great and precious promises. I was with you. What more could I have been to you or done for you? What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I'll tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. Sometimes that is how God judges. He removes the protection. And so people go charging out where they really shouldn't be, and they're no longer under the protecting, protecting hand of God. And it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briar and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds, and that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. Oh, there's another poetry moment for Isaiah, the poet. He says, because you know, we have this play on words. That's a thing in, in Hebrew poetry. It's not all about rhyme and rhythm. It's alliteration. It's play on words. So God says he'll look for justice, but he finds bloodshed. So God looks for mitzpat, that's justice, but he finds mizpah, that's bloodshed. Looks for mizpah, gets mizpah. So close. It's a little play on words on the part of Isaiah the poet, but it makes it memorable. It makes the people remember what God is looking for in our lives. He wants justice. He wants us to treat one another fairly. He looks for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And now, as we continue with chapter 5, we get into the woe section. Not woe as in woe, that's beautiful. No, no, no. Woe as in woe unto these people who are doing these things. So in this series of woes, who are the people that get woed at by the Lord? I don't want to get woed at, so I'm going to take note of these things, and I'm going to try not to do these things in my life, because I don't want God to look at me and go, whoa, whoa, this is the first one, to those who join house to house and add field to field until there's no more room and you're made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. God cares about social justice. He cares how you treat other people. You can't live as an island. You can't just live all by yourself in mansion after mansion in huge fields and not care that there are people who are suffering. There are people who need food. There are people who need your care. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. So for people like this who are going to be selfish, he said, okay, 
your yield is just not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be much less. So that's the first. The second woe. Again, I don't want to get woed at, so I'm paying attention. What does God say? Woe to those. Woe to those who rise early in the morning. Well, if you stop right there, <laughs> you could be saying the wrong thing. Because it's good to rise up early in the morning and pray and get your chores done. But woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink. And who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute. You know, they have God's instruments. Just because you play the instruments of God, just because you play even a godly song, it doesn't mean God's all happy with you. It doesn't mean you're doing right. If you're running after alcohol, you're running after strong, strong drinks, first thing you want in the morning until you go to bed at night. But they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the works of his hands. Oh, you're going to get woed at if you're going to be into drinking alcohol, running after it. Oh, let's have a drink. I need a drink. You hear someone say that? They're going to get woed at by God. Therefore, see, there's consequence. My people go into exile for lack of knowledge. They don't know. They don't know that God doesn't want them to live like this. They need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. Their honored men go hungry and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged its appetite and opened its mouth beyond measure. The nobility of Jerusalem and her multitude will go down, her revelers and he who exalts in her. Man is humbled and each one brought low and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice. And the Lord God shows himself holy in righteousness. You want to exalt the Lord. You want God to be exalted in our nation. Treat people fairly. Treat others as you would have others treat your, yourself. Esteem others better than yourself. Look at people and see their value. Then shall the lambs graze as in their pasture, and nomads shall eat among the ruins of the rich. Okay, we've come to the third woe. Do you want to be woed at by God? Woe! Then pay attention. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes. So people who just speak so smooth and they're just telling you lies, but they're drawing you into sin. They're going to get woed at. They say, let him be quick, let him speed his work that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One draw near and let it come that we may know it. Woe. The fourth woe. And this one, it sounds like today. It sounds like we're reading how people are today. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doesn't that sound like today? People who proclaim the most horrible things and then say, this is good for you. This is what you need. This is a good thing. Oh, not if it's against God and his word. The fifth woe. 
Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. So these are the lofty, the lofty ones that are going to be brought down low. Sixth woe. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. Not woe to the heroes, okay? Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. You know, people who have like uh, bartending contests, God's going to woe at them. <laughs> woe to people who are champions in these things. Woe to those who are champions at mixing all these drinks and acquit the guilty for a bribe. Ooh, social justice. Huge theme in the book of Isaiah. Hugely important to the heart of our God. You don't acquit the guilty for a bribe. Bribery, bad. And deprive the innocent of his rights. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble and as dry grass sinks into the flame, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them, and the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. He will raise a signal for nations far away and whistle for them from the ends of the earth, and behold, quickly, speedily they come." None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers, nor sleeps, nor a waistband is loose, nor a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, and all their bows bent. Their horses' hooves seem like flint, their wheels like whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lion, their young lions, like light young lions, they roar. They growl and seize their prey and carry it off, and none can rescue. They will growl over it in that day like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. Now we see the heart of God and the heart of Isaiah when God is saying, why? Why will you persist in sin? Why will you insist on the momentary pleasures of sin when there is just darkness that awaits you in the future? Take note. I don't want to get woed at by God. You don't want to get woed at by God. Woe to those. Take note. Stay away from those things. Love God. Love your fellow man. Love God's word and treat people fairly. Amen.